Broadcom saying it needs uh, two to maybe make a better company. It offered about $105 billion for Qualcomm, kicking off really an ambitious attempt at the largest technology takeover ever in a deal that would rock the electronics industry. We talked about this Friday as it started to unfold, but uh, Broadcom making it official. John Mathis is an investment banker who specializes in tech deals, partner at the boutique investment bank Harborview Advisors, formerly worked in the technology research group over at Goldman. He joins us on the phone from Jacksonville, Florida. John, nice to have you here with Corey and myself. Tell me about um, this deal. Does it make sense to you? Hi, guys. Yeah, no, thanks for the question. Uh, you know, look, I think this is an amazing uh, deal. It's an epic in its audacity. Uh, in technology M&A, it's the equivalent, if I could, of the weekend movies. It's like pounding of Thor's hammer. Um, nice. Hot Tan, the CEO of Broadcom, you know, itself is a $110 billion market cap company that's a roll-up into Avago just last year. It's about to take down the king of chip royalty in Qualcomm. It's really an audacious move. So if Loda, if, if, if Thor's hammer uh, bangs loudly, who's the, who's the uh, on the other side of it, who's the Thanos in this? Is it the Sherman Antitrust Act? I mean, it's hard to imagine one company controlling virtually every aspect. I'm sorry, I'm being overwrought. But, but controlling the, the, the processing units, the, the, the wireless units, maybe the, the antennas themselves, uh, and more, uh, all the content for most of the cell phones, most of the smartphones made in the world, it's hard to imagine the price of cell phones not going up if one company controls all that. Yeah, Corey, it's a great point. But, uh, you know, here, here, I guess here's my take. And it, it, this is going to sound like it comes right out of the Art of War handbook. But the move by Broadcom, and th I'd make three points. First, you know, Qualcomm as a target is weakened and under fire, and it's a great time to strike. Um, if you look at their stock on the terminal, Bloomberg terminal over the past year, they really missed the run-up. Uh, and it's because of the pressures facing the business. After a long run of success, Qualcomm's now at a standoff with Apple over its royalties. Um, in court, they just called Apple a liar to regulators. That's a tough place to be with one of your large customers. Um, second, the market's really shifting. And royalty models, which make up 80% of Qualcomm's profits, are, are under pressure. Uh, and that takes it to the third point here. And really, this is where I've got to give credit to where Broadcom has approached this. And forgive the pun, but there's a trump card here. The CEO, Tan, uh, you know, CEO Tan of Broadcom, standing next to the president uh, last week, using a new, whole new word, redomicile, headquarters to the U.S. <laughs> At a time when regulators are punishing Qualcomm, it, you know, not only does it you know, they gain presidential support, but it builds momentum around bringing jobs home. Well, and well, wait, wait, it was wait, also wait. fake because yeah. San, yeah. it was already yeah. their headquarters. I mean, San well, Jose was already their headquarters. Their well, co-headquarters. The sorry, other so. thing is, uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like this, uh, first of all. There's so many different moving parts to this. I feel like it's it's like a, a soap opera of some sorts. Broadcom does business with Apple, so maybe this is a way of kind of smoothing stuff over. The other thing is, right, Corey's correct. They have a U.S. headquarters, but they also had their Singapore headquarters. Wasn't Broadcom trying to do a deal of another U.S. company, and CFIUS was holding it up here in the United States? Concerns about, you know, national yeah. security concerns. And how maybe clever by, you know, bringing all their headquarters to the United States, that they could get this yeah. deal without too much review. And now they're adding Qualcomm on top of it. Yeah, Carol, I'm with you. I, I'm not noting the merits of Smells the approach. It's a little funny to it's me. Pretty, pretty, it's pretty impressive um, how at least, um, uh, you know, look, all of warfare is deception. 
And so but it's so blatant. Here, it's so out there. Uh, there he stood with uh, the president. The, that, takes a, that takes a page out of the current political playbook. But look, <laughs> they couch the move in a positive about industry consolidation, which is counterintuitive, bringing jobs home, to your point, which is actually in, in deceptive. But it does potentially solve the largest customer strife. And overnight, this nearly matches the size and clout of industry titans, Intel and Samsung. This creates the third largest player almost overnight um, and, and creates a $200 billion company. Uh, well, and, and indeed, buying it on the cheap. I mean, you mentioned Qualcomm's uh, yeah. suffering of late. Uh, but one wonders, you know, Qualcomm's suffering the stock chart down 20%, you know, the stock price down 20% in the last year. It's yeah. down for a reason, and it's down because there are some fundamental challenges to Qualcomm's business. And and let me cite two. One is the notion that, that its biggest customer, Apple, doesn't want to do business with it anymore and is designing around it. We've had news reports yeah. of that. And number two, the, the, the very essence of Qualcomm's business is creating a technology, licensing it out, and getting everyone who uses it to pay them. And that last part has proven hard over the last couple of years when China, a lot of companies in China said, yeah, no, we're not really using yours. And Qualcomm saying, yes, you are. And the Chinese government saying, stop harassing our Chinese manufacturers. I'm oversimplifying yeah. the case. But that's essentially their business is is using their patents and enforcing them to get payments. And their inability to do that threatens their very uh, their very business model. I think, Corey, I think you're spot on. I think that's why this deal is happening. I think that the longevity of that model is under pressure. The same way, you know, we're seeing it under pressure in terms of pharma approach to just squeezing the life out of royalties. You know, if you're not creating new value and finding new synergies and new opportunities and innovating, then, you know, there's only so long you can play the royalty card. And I think that's what happens here. Broadcom combining with, go ahead. If the model is, though, under pressure, how does it change under Broadcom acquisition? Got about 30 seconds here. Yeah, no, Carol, I think that's right. I think there's good, uh, you can see the synergies that the company is presenting, which I think is fair, product synergies, from what I know about the two businesses. I think here's the other thing. It gives them more degrees of freedom in negotiating across different products, um, different engineering solutions for the same chips. Um, and, you know, if they can construct mm. a different offer to an Apple or to their largest customers, that's what Qualcomm doesn't have today, and they're struggling. John, so combining ten, with Broadcom does AMD or Intel now have to do something? Ten seconds. I, I think you're right. I think they do. Look, overnight, you now have the third biggest player. And as we've seen as industries consolidate, yeah. it leaves the big three. And they've got to figure out a way to address it. Unbelievable. Hey, great to get uh, your thoughts here. John Mathis, partner at Harborview Advisors, joining us on the phone from Jacksonville, Florida. This is Bloomberg.